Good morning. It's good to see all of you today in church. For many of us, this is the first time this year we've been in church. Yeah, I know. If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn in them to the Gospel of John? Very thankful for Jim Capaldo preaching last week. I caught the sermon on the way back from Minneapolis and was very encouraged. Um, so thank you, brother, for preaching. Today we're in the Gospel of John. We're starting a, a new sermon series. We're going to be walking through this book, the book, the Gospel of John. And today our text is going to be verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray again. Father, I pray this morning that you, through your word, would shine your light so that we might see and believe and have hope and have joy this morning. Father, I pray that you would help me to make much of Christ, that Christ would be the one made much of this morning in our hearts. We would Rejoice in the work of salvation that we have through Christ, that we would rejoice that the light has, that you have shown the light. Help me, I pray. I know that I cannot open anyone's eyes, not a single person. I can't open one eye. But you, Father, you can. And so we come to you asking that you would open our eyes, that we might behold wonderful things. And I pray, Lord, that you would use this, you'd use this word as a nourishing meal for your people, an encouragement for those who are discouraged, and a call to faith for all of us, especially those who are here today in unbelief. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever gone to a 3D movie, you know, the kind where you go and you pay the three bucks and you get the glasses and extra, three bucks extra, and you go and you watch the movie? Uh, they're kind of out of fashion right now. Uh, I, I think it's because of that $3 that you have to pay, the special glasses, and also some technological disadvantages of making movies that way and that sort of thing. But there was times, there have been times, several times, when 3D movies were very popular in the early aughts. I caught a few films that way. At some point in every 3D movie, so if you've been to a 3D movie, you know you've done this. At some point in every 3D movie, you take your glasses off because you want to see the movie without the glasses for a second. Maybe get you a headache or whatever. You just want to see it with your natural eyes. But taking the glasses off really changes the experience, doesn't it? It makes it much worse because the image is blurry or fuzzy, much the way... All of life looks to me without my regular glasses these days. It's obvious 
that to see a 3D movie the way that it is intended to be seen, or to say it another way, to see the movie in all of its dimensions and depth, the 3D, you have to have those special glasses on. And sometimes the experience is, is thrilling. A, an alien, an avatar comes at you. And to see that, though, you'd have to have those special glasses on. That's my point. I think John 1, 1 through 18, especially verses 1 through 5, are the special glasses that you need to have on to really see the wonder and the depth and the dimensions of the Gospel of John. Without these verses, without grasping these verses, this book is flat. It's one-dimensional. These verses are the special glasses we need to see the message of John. And I, if I could press this image a bit further so that we might really sense the importance of this, the Gospel of John... The whole gospel are the spiritual glasses that we need to wear so that we can see life as it really is. It's the whole point of the gospel of John. It's so that we might see life as it really is. As we walk through this book, I hope that you will pick up on that in a big way. At every turn in this account, there are seemingly two groups of people. Those who see this by the light of Christ in its full dimension and color, and those who are blind to that reality. And the gospel is aimed at making you one in the former group, not one of the latter. The gospel is written so that you might see life as it really is. And I'm so excited to begin this journey with you. So the gospel of John, spiritual glasses that we need so that we might see all of life as it really is. And the introduction of the gospel of John, the prologue, as many call it, are the special glasses we need so that we might see the gospel of John rightly. What we're doing this morning, so we're walking in the theater together, we bought our tickets to see the greatest film in the universe. It's nonfiction, of course. And we're putting on our special glasses. And friends, this is massively practical. There's nothing abstract about what we're doing in the gospel of John. There's nothing abstract about what we're doing this morning or what we will do, Lord willing, for the next dozens of Sundays. Seeing affects everything. The way that you see affects everything about your life. How you see life determines the course of your life. From the great big decisions in your life, whom you will marry, how you will raise your children, what you will do in this life, what kind of man or woman you will be, to the small everyday decisions, how you will use your time today, how you use your mind and your mouth and your body even this afternoon. Seeing affects everything, and oh, how I want you to see. And that's what we're doing this morning. We're putting on the special glasses of John 1, 1 through 5, so that we might truly see. And something you can see right away in this introduction is that the Gospel of John begins much differently from the other Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're called the synoptics, which interestingly means one eye, synoptics, one eye. They are all similar accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke are all similar accounts. The Gospel of John, though, is very different, and you can see that even in the way it begins. John doesn't begin his account with a genealogy or with a nativity scene. The story, as it were, doesn't begin in Bethlehem. It doesn't begin in Israel. 
John, the son of Zebedee, whom I believe penned this account, begins with the same two words. In the Greek, it's, the, it's just two words. As in Genesis, of course, Genesis was written in Hebrew, not Greek, but in the Greek Old Testament, it's the same, same two words in the Septuagint. In the beginning. That's how, this, that's how Genesis begins, and that's how John 1, 1 begins. So that's one huge difference in the Gospel of John. It begins quite literally in the beginning. John 1, 1 takes us to the dawn of creation. Another huge difference in these verses with the other Gospels is that John refers to Jesus as the Word. We know that the Word refers to Jesus. We know he's referring to Jesus because of a few different verses here. Verse 14 says, The Word became flesh, flesh and dwelt among us, so the incarnation. And then verse 17, he just names it. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So why does John do that? Why, why not call him Savior or Christ or the Son of God? Nowhere again in this gospel does John use the word word Christologically. Nowhere again does he call him directly the word. So why does he do it here in the introduction? I think he does it here because he wants to refer to Christ in the most essential of terms. That is, John did not want to use a title that only expressed a certain aspect of Jesus' work or his person or his nature. He wanted to express all of it. He wanted a word that would express all of it, all of him. And that's why I think he doesn't call him Savior or Christ in John 1.1, because those titles, as wonderful as they are, describe certain aspects of Jesus' life and ministry, not all of it. Those titles express his saving or his redeeming work, and there is infinitely more to Jesus than that. Think with me. What does calling Jesus Christ the Word help us to see? Many things, but three things mainly. God does three massive things through his Word. He creates through his Word. He reveals himself through his Word. And he redeems through his word. God creates, reveals, or expresses himself, and he redeems through his word. Let's walk through those three briefly, beginning with revealing, beginning with revelation. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 is really helpful in making the revealing work through the word clear. So let's go there together for a moment. Displayed on the screen here, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, Long ago, at Many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom he also created the world. God has spoken to us by his Son. Now, I don't think the writer of Hebrews merely means the words that Jesus spoke, the sermons he preached or his teaching his earthly ministry, in his earthly ministry. I think he means all that Jesus revealed to us about God. Or to say it another way, all the ways that God expressed himself to us, expresses himself to us through Jesus. Jesus is the way that God has spoken to us in these last days. That's what Hebrews says. Jesus is God's ultimate self-expression. The connection, obviously, between Hebrews 1.1 and John 1.1 is that Hebrews, in Hebrews it says God has spoken. And John says 
He is the Word. God speaking is God's Word. Both passages are pointing to the way that God expresses Himself. And I think the point of referring to Jesus as the Word in John 1.1 is to make it clear that Jesus is the ultimate self-expression of God. God reveals Himself to us through His Word and Jesus. Jesus is His Word. You have to get that if you're going to understand the rest of the Gospel of John. You, You have to see that if you will truly get what the life and the ministry and the death and the resurrection of Christ is all about. You have to see this if you're going to truly understand life even. Jesus is the self-expression of God. Jesus is the Word. I, I love the clarity of verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then he repeats it in verse 2, and I think he does that to underscore it. He, the Word, was in the beginning with God. That tells us so much about Jesus and so much about God. It teaches us, tells us, without any ambiguity, that the Word is God, that Jesus is God. It states it just like that. In the beginning, the Word was God. And the Word was with God. It tells us something about God, doesn't it? There is a distinctiveness and a sameness between the Word and God in John 1.1. And while that's clearly stated, I know that's impossible for us to fully grasp. God is triune. All of God is not the Word, but the Word is all God. There's a distinctiveness and a sameness. The Word was with God and the Word was God. God is triune. And you can see the divinity, the godness of the Word in his part in creation. And John goes to that right away. Just like Genesis 1.1, we start understanding Jesus by understanding how it all began. And it all began, according to verse 3, with the Word. He says it both positively and negatively, right? And I think he does that to be clear. Positively, all things were made through him. And negatively, without him was not anything made that was made. Together, these two statements make it clear. The Word was the agent of creation, to use very human terms. And if you want to see this in action, you should go read Genesis 1 and 2. What you will see is many phrases like, God said, God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. And God said... Let us make man in our own image. God spoke, and the world, the universe, everything that is, came into existence. It was through God's word that all things were created. You see, God creates through his word. And I can show you this from other New Testament passages as well. We read the one in Hebrews, right, where it says, Through him, through whom he also created the world. But we could go to Colossians, and we will. Colossians 1, 16 through 17. I think I read this the last time I preached, but that was last year, so it's okay. Colossians 1, 16 says, For by him, by his beloved Son, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. 
And in Him, all things hold together. God creates through His Word. So those two things about Jesus are really clear in these opening verses, right? God reveals Himself to us through His Word, and God created all things through His Word. A third thing, which we can see a hint of here, but we will see clearly in the Gospel of John, is that God saves or redeems through His Word. The hint is in verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The the full-blown exposition of that reality is the Gospel of John itself. The entire Gospel is written so that we might have life through the Word, so that we might find redemption in the Word. John actually tells us that plainly. He puts his cards on the table in John 20, 30-31, and says, this is what this is all about. Now Jesus did many other signs, this is John 20, 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. All these things are written so that you might believe in Christ, and that by believing, you might have life in his name, And in him is life, and the life is the light of men. God redeems through his word. And the purpose of the gospel of John is so that you and I might be redeemed through the word. So that you might have have life in his name. Friends, as we walk through this, pray. Pray that this is the work that God will do among us. That we might believe, and that by believing we might have life in his name. Pray that God might so powerfully work among us, even as Christians, that our faith in Christ is strengthened week by week, sermon by sermon, passage by passage, because that's what this is for. So that you might believe and have life in his name. That's why this was written. That's why we're walking through it together, so that we might see God created all things through his word. God reveals through his word, and God redeems through his word. So John begins his gospel with these precious words, in the beginning was the word. Now look with me at verses 4 and 5 again. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The life that is in the word is the light of men. The easiest way to make sense of that, it's hard passage to get at first, but the easiest way to make sense of that is to understand what light means for us, what light does for us. Light means seeing, right? That's what light does. You cannot see in the dark. You can only see by light. Light means seeing, and that almost needs no illustration. We have thousands of little illustrations of this reality. We have light bulbs in our fridges so that we can find the ketchup you use your iPhone because the screen is lit up. Imagine if there was no light. You, you brighten it up so that you can use it. We brighten up the screen. My, my wife and I just increased the wattage of all of our light bulbs in, in the house because it was too dim before, and light makes everything brighter. Now I can see stuff at home. The dentist shines this crazy bright light into our mouths so that he can see our teeth well. Who hasn't, in some unsafe season of their life, turned off the headlights of their car for a second while driving at night? I'm not recommending that you do that, but you probably have, and 
And in a second, you realized how important those headlights are, how important light is. Who hasn't walked into a closed door in the middle of the night because it looked like it was open to your unadjusted eyes? In the dark, it looked open. The reason why cameras have these big apertures and often require the help of artificial light and false or flashes is because light is required for seeing. A couple of Sunday evenings ago, we kept the lights in this room purposely dim. Do you remember? Candles. But we kept the lights purposely dim. And then we lit candles so that we could see the light spread. We can see light. Light is for seeing. When we turn the lights back on, we can really see. Light means seeing. Without light, there is no seeing. That's true physically, of course, like I've been saying. I think John had in mind when he wrote this, the very first thing that God said, his word in Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 3 through 4 says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. Two verses earlier from that one, in Genesis It says the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Darkness was over the face of the deep. Can you picture that? The earth was without form and void and darkness was... Go ahead. I want you to put that picture in your mind. Darkness. You got it? No, of course you don't have it. You can't picture darkness. You can close your eyes and get a sense of it, but there's no picture there. You cannot picture darkness. You can, it's just darkness, and that's the point. And then God spoke. Then God spoke, and there was light. There was seeing. There was the word, and through the word, there was light, and now you can see. And that's true morally as well. Someone gifted the pastors with coffees uh, from a particular roaster. You might have seen it on Facebook. A couple of us posted on Facebook. But the names of the coffee blends are funny. The coffee's great, by the way, if you gave that to us. Thank you. Uh, The coffee I received was decaffeinated. And the name of the roast was, appropriately, Heresy. And then the subtitle was, Heresy has the flavor of truth but no power. Perfect. Pastor Thomas's coffee was dark roast, and it was called total depravity because men love the dark roast. It was a great gift. The spoof, of course, to that total depravity because men love the dark roast is John three nineteen, which says, "This is the judgment. The light has come into the world." And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Darkness hides stuff. Light exposes stuff. By light we see. Darkness we don't see. You cannot see the dark. So men love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil and they could hide it. We do not like to be exposed. By light, we see stuff. We see good. We see evil. We see the right way and we see the wrong way. By light, we see. And what we see by John 1.4 is that we have one true light. In Him was life. 
and the life was the light of men. There's no other light. There is no other light by which you see other than the light of the Word. There was no light in the universe before God spoke. The Word is what brings physical light into this universe. And it is the Word taking on flesh and living and dying and rising again, which brings real light to this utter darkness. It is the light of Christ. And without Jesus Christ, there is no seeing. There's no seeing outside of Christ. That's the point. With, with Christ, we see reality as it really is. And without Him, we are blind to everything. As we walk through this gospel, that will be the emphasis of nearly every account. Jesus brings light. And men either see that light, rejoice in that light, have life because of that light, trust in that light, or they shield their eyes because of, because they, from it because they love darkness. They either see by Jesus or they stay blind because of their sin. And that's true of us. Jesus is the only way you can perceive reality the way that it really is. There's no seeing outside of Jesus. There's only darkness. Jesus is the special spiritual glasses that you must wear if you're to perceive life as it really is. And you will either do that or you will remain in darkness. You cannot see, you cannot see anything outside of Christ. For example, you cannot see what is worth living for. You cannot see what is worth dying for without the light of Christ. You can't see the purpose of this life without Christ. You can't see the purpose for your existence without Jesus. You cannot see how to live your life, how to walk on this journey without Christ. It's like driving on a road with the headlights out in the dead of night. You will crash. It is a certainty. But in Him is life. And the life is the light of men. By Christ's light, you can see. Verse 5 is the hopeful triumph in all of this. Look at, look at that verse. Verse 5, John 1, 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's where this gospel's going. That's where we're going with this gospel. This is the whole narrative of the gospel of John in one verse. The light shines, and the darkness, try though it might, does not overcome it. There is great darkness in the Gospel of John. It's exposed in the Gospel of John. You will see it. Great opposition to the light that's come into the world. Before the story is over, before we get done with the narrative of the Gospel of John, men who love darkness will oppose and scorn and condemn and crucify the light. But darkness does not overcome the light. Jesus rises again in bright, glorious, shining triumph. The light shines. And when the light shines, there is seeing and darkness is no more. It dispels the darkness. This is the glorious gospel. When God opens your eyes, He gives you sight. When He shines the light, the darkness does not overcome it. 
Men still hide their eyes from the light. Men still shield their eyes from the light or look away or pretend that they can see in the dark. You might be shielding your eyes this morning from the light. But friends, the light is shining. Oh, won't you see by this light? Do you see this morning? Do you see for real this morning? If so, you should praise God because the only reason you see is because of Christ and God's grace to us through him. The light is Jesus. C.S. Lewis famously wrote, I believe in Christianity. I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. This is why we're walking through the Gospel of John. So that we might see this light. Let's put these glasses on together and truly see. I pray this morning that you are seeing. We're going to pray together. And then I have invited Linda Schilling to come and to share the way that the Lord has opened her eyes to the light of Christ. Oh, Father... I pray, I, I pray for anyone who is here today walking in darkness. Oh, I pray that you would open their eyes to the light and the hope of the gospel. Thank you, Father, that you have sent the light. And thank you that by that light we can truly see. I pray, Father, that we as believers who love your word and love the gospel and love Christ will walk by the light of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.